What's up, Indian country? Welcome to the Daily Corn Meal. I'm your host, your war pony, Chris Gomez, here coming to you from the Kue 101.5 FM Isla del Sur Pueblo Studios. You're listening to a little bit of DJ Shub there that's Indomitable featuring the Northern Cree singers. Uh, great. Check them out at DJ Shub on YouTube. I'll go ahead and put a link to that YouTube video in, in the show notes there. But cool little uh, spin on some native music. Today, I'll be using the Indigenous People's March involving Nathan Phillips, a, gr- um, a group of students from the Covington Ca- Catholic School in Kentucky, to discuss race relations and how they relate to Native America on today's episode of the Daily Corn Mail. There's um, some new news coming out of that, that whole um, confrontation. So by now, everyone's probably familiar with the confrontation itself. It took place on Friday, January the 18th in in Washington, D.C., at the mall near the Lincoln Memorial. That's where uh, three groups of protesters uh, intercepted each other. A handful of protesters known as the Black Hebrew Israelites, some attendees of the Indigenous People's March, and a group of Catholic high school students from Kentucky. What I'm going to do today is I'm going to break down the video Frame by frame, we're going to go over what happened, who's at fault and everything, because there is new news coming out of that. And that new news is the teenager involved, Nicholas Sandman's family is suing the Washington Post, saying that they targeted the Covington Catholic High School student and deframed him for political purposes when it was reported in January. Bill Schappel of National Public Radio Media is reporting that Ted and Julia Sandman filed a lawsuit on behalf of their son seeking $250 million in damages, the same amount uh, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos paid to purchase the post in 2013. Of the amount, the lawsuit is seeking $50 million in compensation for the alleged damage done, while the remaining $200 million in punitive damage would be aimed at punishing the newspaper company. Of course, several of the videos from that January 18th incident in Washington, D.C. have gone viral. Um, they've gotten millions of views all over the country. There's been several of them at, um, showing it at different angles. But the one uh, main feature of that video is students with uh, Make America Great Hats again. Of course, those Make America Great Hats, they're the red ones that they've become a staple of the Donald Trump campaign. And Trump supporters everywhere use those. Such a weird piece of clothing, that the article of clothing that's become synonymous with, with um, Donald Trump and his supporters and what they actually stand for. Um, is, is really tied to those caps. So I, I think without those Make America Great caps, this incident doesn't go as viral or get the publicity that it, I did, that it ended up getting overall. So just to backtrack a little bit, of course, the main portion of that video that went viral, it, it's um, Nathan Phillips is approaching the Lincoln Memorial with a drum and uh, Sandman is, is blocking his path there with a big grin on his face. And, you know, there's no denying that. He's um, standing there and um, he's got his cap on, you know, front and center, standing there with a big grin. A lot of Native American people felt it was disrespectful to a tribal elder, not not allowing them to pass and everything. But what's not known to a lot of people is why exactly Nathan Phillips is drumming. All the events leading up to that, you know, there is a third group involved that really doesn't get a lot of publicity here. It's, it's really the teenager and the Native American man. There's some generational issues going there. There's definitely some ignorance going on there when it comes to uh, with regard to um, how the students reacted. It makes me question uh, where were the adult supervision there uh, on this march? Um, you know, where are they to protect the students um, first, first and foremost? Because those are young, uh, impressionable people and uh, they do need protection there. So I thought what we would do here on the Daily Corn Mill is break down this video, listen to the audio frame by frame, um, go over it, see what escalated this incident, talk about what it means to race race relations with Native American people going forward and, um, and what it is we can learn from how this incident was handled, how it was portrayed in the media 
and uh, what we can do moving forward to uh, raise awareness on Native American issues. First off, let me start by acknowledging my source information for this podcast. It comes from an article called Unraveling a a Washington Mall Confrontation Frame by Frame, written by Elizabeth Jensen that appeared on National Public Radio on NPR.com, a link for which I'll go ahead and put in the description box of this podcast. NPR actually released this article as a response to criticism they got because the original title of their coverage was titled, Video of Kentucky Students Mocking Native American Man Draws Outcry. And um, they admit themselves that the framing of the story was a standoff between students and Native uh, and Nathan Phillips and Omaha Elder that was singing in a, uh, the American Indian Movement anthem and drumming. When you look at all the raw video, you see that the students themselves, they are the first um, group of people that is harassed by the black Hebrew Israelites. I'm going to play a clip of um, what that harassment sounded like so that you get a context for what tipped off these students' behavior. I'm going to go ahead and warn the listeners of this podcast that listener discretion is advised as there is several racial slurs used in this next clip. So um, just stand by. When you get old enough, they're going to steal your organs. Whoa, hey, we love you, bro. Hey, we love you, kid. Hey, we love you. Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. You ain't seen the movie. Why are you being mean? Get out. Are you ready? Okay, so that's where the harassment starts with the black Hebrew Israelites and the students. What I'm going to play for you now is a confrontation that the um, black Hebrew Israelites have with the group of indigenous people marching. We are here to tell you to wake up to the four corners of the earth. This is the truth of the Holy Bible. We don't have a microphone, brother. Okay, and this is the, this is the part of freedom of the speech and freedom of religion, and that's what we out here for. Okay, and uh, I hear you. I honor my God. We honor our God, brother, and that's what we are here to tell you what you have to do. The Most High God, his name is Yahweh. You're not supposed to worship eagles, buffaloes, that's rams, right. Right. all types of animals. That's right. This is the reason why the Lord took away your land. Why am I so angry? You talk about why we're mad. You damn right. The most high said, the most high said, say the make a wise man If you're not mad, you won't have no wisdom. We're from here. We're natives too. My people are so-called Puerto Ricans. Yes, we are from the tribe of Ephraim. This is your tribe. This is your nationality. You're not an Indian. Indian means savage. You know where that name came from? You know where that name came from? It came from the so-called white man. That's what happened. Okay? Who told us that? Look up the word Indian. Right. So that's the second confrontation there between the black Hebrew Israelites and now the people on the indigenous people's march there in Washington, D.C. And one thing that you want to note there is now... This is a group that's responsible for escalating tension between both the other two groups, but they really didn't get a lot of media coverage in the initial um, stories that were reported out there. Everything, uh, the initial media coverage is focused solely uh, on the Catholic uh, Covington High School students and the Native American people, um, particularly Nathan Phillips. Okay, and that Hebrew Israelite group continued to escalate the situation, continued to escalate their their insults and so the students they naturally got defensive and they started to do chants of their own which i'm going to go ahead and play for you right here 
right. Look at these sea of demons. Hey, look. Look, ah. Look at this, ah. Get them. Get this crap. Look at this sea. Who say the pull-up boys? Yo, yo. Who say the pull-up boys don't pull up and turn it up? Okay, so by this point, you can see it's just on. You know, there's a student that's taking off all his clothes. He's stripped down to his boxer shorts there. It's hyping up both crowds there. Um, the Israelite group is just trying to get louder now. Um, they're yelling racial slurs at, at the students. So, I mean, it's really getting es escalated by this point. Now, this is going to be the part of the video clip where the indigenous people's uh, march marching group starts to approach both groups there. They're led by Nathan Phillips, who does have the drum. They are chanting, and um, both groups are still, both groups, the black Hebrew, Hebrew Israelites and the students, continue to yell as this group is approaching. So let's go ahead and listen to that clip. Okay, and I know it's hard to hear it over the speaking of the person recording that, and he is from that that Hebrew Israelites group, so he's talking over as Nathan Phillips is approaching with his group and the, everything. But as Nathan if Nathan Phillips hits this wall of students there, the chanting um, that the students were initially do, doing it's um, the Seven Nation Army tune that you can hear from the White Stripes. That chant is done like at at various athletic events and everything. But um, they switch their tone, the students do. And this is where it starts to get offensive for Native American people because those chants that are used at, at games, at different uh, ball games that have Native Americans um, as, as mascots, uh, of course, those are offensive to Native American people. That's a whole other debate there. So the students, they switch from the Seven Nation Army chants to the Tomahawk Chop um, type chants. And you can hear that clearly on the video. So now, um, as Nathan Phillips' group approaches, he says that he wanted to get in between the students, which I'll play, uh, students and the group of black Hebrew Israelites, which I'll play a clip from that interview that he did post, post this. Um, this is where the infamous standoff between Phillips and Sandman occurs. And I'll go ahead and play that clip for you right now. 
So the crowd started to disperse uh, following Mr. Phillips finishing his song and everything. You know, the kids are starting to calm down. Uh, the Hebrew Israelites continue to just yell things about the Bible and, and whatnot. So now the video is going to cut to Nathan Phillips and his interview post there and his, rea- his immediate reaction to what just happened. So as you can hear, Mr. Phillips says that he'd like to see these students take that energy and apply it to something positive. He does mention that, that he did hear them saying, build that wall. When you go back and look at the video and listen to it really closely, you really don't hear the students saying, build that wall. So, um, you know, maybe he's just offended by the, the, the chanting, the tomahawk chops, what he might perceive as disrespect by the students. But um, to be fair, there is no built a wall there. So following that on-the-spot interview, a couple of days go by and Nathan Phillips does an interview on CNN, which I'm going to go ahead and play you a few clips. So you can see how um, taking a step back, how he looks at things and explains what his experience was like following the escalation of that incident. When I was there and I was standing there and I seen that group of people in front of me and I seen the angry faces and and all of that, I I realized I had put myself in a really dangerous situation. You know, it was like, here's a group of people who were angry at somebody else, and I put myself in front of that, and all of a sudden, I'm the one who's all that anger and all that wanting to have the freedom to just rip me apart. You know, that was scary. That, and, and I, 
I'm a Vietnam Times veteran, and, and I know that mentality of there's enough of us, we can do this. When I started going forward, and that mass of groups of people started separating and, and, and separating and moving aside to allow me to move out of the way or to proceed, this young feller put himself in front of me and wouldn't move. And so I could, if I took another step, I would be putting my, my person into his presence, into his space, and I would have touched him. And that would have been the, the thing that the group of people would have needed to spring on me. Fear, not for myself, but fear for the next generations, fear where this country's going, fear for their, those youths, fear for their future, fear for their souls, their spirit, their, their what they're going to do to this country, what they were doing wasn't making American great. It was just tearing down the fabric that was, that the whole idea, the spirit of America, that wasn't it, you know. In response to Mr. Phillips' statement and the entire incident, the Roman Catholic Diocese of Covington put out a statement, and I'm going to go ahead and read that statement. It states, we condemn the actions of the Covington Catholic high school students towards Nathan Phillips specifically and Native Americans in general. January 18th, after the March for Life in Washington, D.C., we extend our deepest apologies to Mr. Phillips. We know this incident has also tainted the entire witness of the March for Life and express our most sincerest apologies to all those who attended the march and all of those who support the pro-life movement. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to go ahead and play... Um, Nick Sandman's interview with the Today Show, just a little clip of it, so you can kind of get his opinion on it. Or standing there, I had every right to do so. I don't, I, my position is that I was not disrespectful to Mr. Phillips. I respect him. I'd like to talk to him. I mean, in hindsight, I wish we could have walked away and avoided the whole thing. But I can't say that I'm sorry for listening to him and standing there. Okay, so there they are. They're both perspectives um, from the two people involved in the incident. But I think what people need to take away from this incident uh, altogether is, number one, uh, first, you need to understand the entire context of what's going on before you, you see these little clips of video that are portrayed by the media. You know, they're portrayed as, you know, Native American people versus Donald Trump supporters. And that's what, what initially came out. You know, the context behind there, you rarely heard any mention of the black Hebrew Israelites who are really the instigators of both groups. They really were the ones that pushed the, the buttons of both groups. And yet they both got a pass in the initial uh, media coverage. And looking at everything in context, you have three unique groups, three totally different groups, three groups that couldn't be more culturally different whatsoever from one another. And they, they're all in the nation's capital. They're all protesting movements they believe in. You know, the black Hebrew Israelites have their, their, their religion and everything that they're trying to, to portray. The group from Covington High School, they're there on behalf of a pro-life march. They are wearing the Make America Great hats again. And it makes me wonder if those Make America Great, hat, great again hats aren't present, the MAGA hats as they've, they've been called now, is this really an issue? Does it really go viral? 
you know, just it's amazing how much that hat, um, that statement has just become a symbol for racial relations here within our country, not just between Native Americans and, and other groups of people, but just in general, it's, it's like our society now, they look at these mega hats and, you know, if you're a pro-Trump supporter, you're willing to fall on the sword for it, um, you know, and, and if you're a anti-Trump supporter, I, I mean, you see somebody with that hat now and it just fills you with rage and everything. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a hat. You know, what it stands for is up to what it's become and what it stands for is, is really up to, you know, the person either wearing it in favor of or against it. And it's, it's crazy. It's just become this symbol of racial, racial division and it's been a, a polarizing symbol. So when you get three groups like this converging on one area, I guess the thing that's hard for me to understand is uh, on that national mall where you have several people that go and protest on a daily basis, almost these big marches. Why isn't there a uh, hidden security there to prevent these kind of incidents? I don't know. It, it just seems like there's a lack of organization there on all parts. You know, um, first um, with the Native American group and the um, the group of Black Hebrew Israelites, you guys are adults. Um, you guys should know better. Um, you should know that a six, 15, 16-year-old kids, um, they're really not not to be reasoned with. But it brings in the question, too, the group from Covington High School, where are their, their guiding mentors that, that should be there? What's absent in these videos, these videos that are, you know, most definitely the front line are adults that are there on behalf of Covington Catholic School in Kentucky. Uh, you would think they would um, want to keep their students safe, you know, where they just completely unsupervised. It, it makes you wonder, you know, you, you don't know what, what's going to happen with either one of these groups, whether, you know, there's any such thing as peaceful protest anymore. Both Nick Sandman and Nathan Phillips talk about how they, they like to talk to one another to kind of gain a further perspective and give, I guess, both their perspectives on the incident and everything. And um, I, that's something that I haven't seen happen in the months since this incident's come and gone. And I think that would be something um, really good as long as, you know, this propaganda of this racial division isn't portrayed more and more. Now, all three of these groups, they can all claim that they were approached by two different different groups. Each and every one of these groups can um, claim that they were instigated by by two other um, groups that, that were very, very much different from them, very much uh, in opposition to what they all stood for. Each one of them received their insults and everything. I think um, out of all of them, the black Hebrew Israelites group mirrors that Westminster um, Baptist Church kind of confrontation that they like to use, uh, using religion to sensationalize and push buttons and everything there. And um, you, you had the other two groups that kind of um, played right into that. They both, um, they both went at each other. And um, what is that evident for myself as a Native American person is just to see how there is a lack of understanding on how those chants that come out um, when people imitate your culture, I think that tears in the heart of like who we are. Because uh, we have these sacred songs and they, they, those sacred songs have meaning to us. And as individual tribes, of course, we're 565 unique nations and um, that doesn't account for Native people who aren't uh, enrolled or federally recognized that still practice their, their culture and their religion and everything. So those songs have a special, unique um, place for us in our hearts. They're forms of prayer. They're, they really are at the heart of who we are. So when a group of people 
imitate or mock or, you know, um, just try and um, bother you, it's going to set you off. And you see, not from Nathan Phillips himself, but some of the members of his group are extremely agitated by the comments made by the black Hebrew Israelites, by the actions of some of the school. They call it mob mentality. You know, everyone's just trying to, um, I guess, put people in a different box here. And you see that these 16-year-old kids, they literally think it's okay to use these, these um, chants that go on at, at... I mean, why wouldn't they? Like in mainstream America, these chants are still used at, at football games. You know, you've got like the University of Florida State, the Atlanta Braves. They've been controversial for years. And they go on to this very day, the, those um, chants there. Um, they've been trying to... St been stopped in court. You've got the whole... Um, the team from Washington, D.C. and that debate... But there really isn't a national outcry like you see um, for other races when it comes to Native American people. You know, we'll take the, we'll take the team from Washington, for example. Um, you know, um, Native American people who are offended by that, they refer to that team's name as the R word. And it is uh, considered a racial, um, racial slur to many. Uh, a group recently sent a petition to Dan Snyder. And what kind of blew me away about that petition was, you know, that group's been collecting those signatures for a couple of years and they said um, this last this last go around there was only four thousand signatures, and it seems like there's more Native Americans that would be offended by that word. But I mean, it's not translating into signatures, and um, without those signatures and without that public outcry, those kind of things that are offensive they continue to go on day by day by day, and it's just something that Native Americans have have learned to live with. And what it ends up doing for you as a race of people is it makes you feel inferior, like you don't matter. When you see that, um, you know, there's, there's celebrities or, or people of different social orientations that come out, you know, for other, other races and other groups of people that are offended by other people. You had um, Donald Sterling, for example, who used to own the Alley Clippers who made those racial slurs about Magic Johnson some years ago. He lost his team for using the N-word but um, you have an owner um, from the National Football League that owns that and that no, knows these are offensive words and just brushes it off. And there's no national outcry. And I think that's one of the problems that Native American people hear is that, you know, we're such a small population. A lot of times you hear of us as uh, people refer to us as a dead population. Like uh, a lot of times I, I've heard before, like you people still exist. There's still tribes. People don't really know about it. Even here in West Texas, you know, when I tell people that I'm from an Indian reservation or that's where I grew up, they don't even know that there's an Indian reservation located in El Paso. And I guess um, that that's part of the problem here. And you have this young 16-year-old group of kids who they're, they're doing the tomahawk chop there. They're doing, um, you know, their mock war cries and they don't understand the hurt that they're causing just Native Americans in general. And is it their fault? I, I absolutely don't think it's their fault. I think it's um, the mainstream accepts it and, you know, they see it as okay. So, um, you know, unless they're educated otherwise, like, why would they stop doing it? It's something that's accepted in America. So what can we as Native Americans do to keep this um, from being accepted as, as a norm? You know, um, number one, I think you need to speak out about it and you need to speak out about it in a way that's going to be heard. You know, it's great to have a viral video and everything, but like, what's the follow up to the viral video and how can we use this viral video to help us understand race relations is the question. You know, I think um, just as human beings in general, and this is my opinion, that uh, the minute that we learn how to respect one another, like Native Americans respecting other cultures, other cultures respecting us, just in general, just being good to one another, treating everybody as if they were your neighbor, you know, and being open to new ideas, 
and discussions, not just being so one-sided in, in our thinking, that, that'll open the door for us. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of The Daily Cornmeal. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for future, uh, um, referen- future episodes. Feel free to comment on uh, our Twitter account, which is at KUEH101.5. You can find me on Twitter. I'm Chris Gomez at EP underscore Chris underscore made. I'll also go ahead and leave a link to my um, Facebook profile so you can find me there if you have any comments to add to this. Thank you for listening to The Daily Corn Mill. I'm Chris Gomez. Have a great day.